born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. We are studying in the book of Acts, and the reason I have and I like them giving testimonies is because that's the book of Acts. The book of Acts is soul-winning stories. That's what it's about. It's about people obeying the Lord and doing what God says to do. So if you will, take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 2. We're going to look there in verse 22. Verse 22, and go as far as we can, because you never know how far we're going to get, because of how fast or slow I've got to talk. Because, see, if you listen slow, then I have to go slower. But if you listen fast, then I can go faster. So it all depends on how well you're listening. And if you look at me and just kind of smile and nod your head, I just keep moving right along. But if you look drowsy and sleepy, then I've got to go back and repeat it again because I know you didn't get it. I mean, would I lie to you? Raise my right hand. But anyway, here in the book of Acts in chapter 2, look there in verse 22. The apostle Peter is going to preach his first sermon. It's after the experience there of the day of Pentecost and the speaking in the various languages. And he explains some things to them. And then he addresses the men of Israel. He says, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. So he is going to rehearse a little bit. And so these first few verses here down to verse 24 is a confrontation where he actually confronts them with what they did to the one that God had sent into the world and allowed to be crucified, come back from the dead, and he's going to confront them with the issue. And then down in verse 25, and you go over there to verse 36, is going to be the confirmation. This is where he confirms what is happening was pretold in the Old Testament, in prophecy, and about King David and what he had said in the 16th Psalm. So you have the confirmation there. And then you go down to the next part in verse 42, where it has the communion, where they have now a body of believers and how they were able to come together in fellowship in the doctrine of the Word of God and the breaking of bread and the, the good fellowship together as God's people ought to have so you have the communion that's mentioned there in these verses down to verse 47. Now go back to verse 22 where it talks about the confrontation 
where he is going to say, this is what God said about the one that you rejected and you crucified. Now remember, God's word in the Old Testament, and he says, all the prophets said this, all the prophets. Now we may not find where all the prophets said exactly the same thing, but maybe a lot of the prophets and what they prophesied isn't all written down, but they're sometimes hidden in scriptures that you and I cannot discern. But it doesn't mean that it's not there. It's just that you haven't always seen it, or I haven't seen it. But I want you to take your Bible, look there in the book of uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 14. Acts chapter 3 and verse 14, where he says, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murder to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then he says two things in these two verses that are very important. And now, brethren, I know that you through ignorance did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of, and you ought to underline these three words, all his prophets, what? That Christ, the Messiah, should suffer, he hath fulfilled. So what happened to Christ was talked about in the Old Testament, and they had no excuse because it was there. Now, you and I know that when we get to heaven, uh, if you have a Bible, you will have no excuse, one, for not trusting Christ as your Savior. You will have no excuse for not serving the Lord. Now, you may not serve him, but you're not going to have an excuse. Because all your excuses are no good. God doesn't accept excuses. God gives us his word and expects us to read it, to study it, to know it. We are commanded in scripture to be found faithful. Should we be faithful? Now, look there again in verse 22 of chapter 2. You men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man... And you'll find that phrase mentioned down through here in quite a few places because here he's talking about in verse 2, this man, Jesus, is the Lord, mentioned in verse 25. This man, Jesus, is the promised Holy One, verse 27. This man, Jesus, is the promised Messiah, and that's in verse 31. This man, Jesus, the promised King, and David knowing that Christ would sit upon his throne in verse 30. So, they prophesied about the coming Messiah, but they did not see him. But look in verse 23. Many people have problems putting together what God did and what man did. See, God, in the predetermined counsel of himself, determined what was going to take place, what God permitted, what God allowed. So God has chosen to allow man to have a free will. God allows your destiny to be dependent upon your choice. God will not force you to believe or not to believe. God so loved the world, so he loves everybody in the world. And he wants everyone to hear the gospel, and he wants you to believe it. If you choose to believe it, you will have eternal life and go to heaven. Now, did God know in advance what was going to happen to his son? See there in verse 23? Him been delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. 
you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. They were held responsible for what they did. Now, I know we never like to say these words, that the nation of Israel killed Christ. But the Word of God tells us that the nation of Israel killed Christ. I can't soften this. Now, I also know He died for me. But I can't say I killed Christ in the sense that I literally took His life. Did I make Christ die for me? No. But they literally took His life. They literally had Him crucified and put upon a cross. He literally died. But the reason he did so is by the determined counsel of God and why God allowed it. Why did God allow them to kill him? And yet the scripture says that Jesus says, I lay down my life. No man taketh it from me. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up. And yet God says he's the one that smit his own son in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. So God did it. And here he says they did it. Well, well maybe we're all guilty. Because he paid for our sins. But see, we didn't make him pay for our sins. You didn't make him do that. That's determined by God himself. When God made the first man, God already had a plan. See, God not only wanted a man, Adam and Eve, to live in the garden and stay that way for all eternity. He said, well, that was the original plan. I don't believe so. I believe that God, in the determinate counsel of God, God, because of his foreknowledge, knew what man would do. Don't you think that God knew that when Satan was created, that God knew what he would do? Or he wouldn't be God. Of course God knew. Didn't God know when he made Adam and Eve and put him in the garden? Didn't God know what they would do? Well, if he's God, he would know. That's why it says Jesus Christ was crucified from the foundations of the world. Before the man, God already had a plan. And Christ was crucified in the mind of God before he ever made the first man. Why? Because God wanted something more than just a a creature, a creation. He wanted sons in the glory to be perfect, not to be able to sin. See, Adam and Eve had the capacity to sin. You and I, once we get to heaven, our new birth cannot sin. Because it says it's born of God. And his seed abideth in him. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. But there's some things that you and I would never have known about God. If God had not allowed sin into the world. If he had not allowed the devil to do what he did. And because of that, you and I, we have learned some things about God we would have never known. You could have asked Adam and Eve who was in the garden. What is love? And they'd say, I don't have a clue. They wouldn't have a clue. What is forgiveness? I don't know. Explain to me the mercy of God. I don't know. What do you mean by the grace of God? I ain't got a clue. There's so much they would not have known had sin never came into the world. So because of sin, God is able to show us and to teach us about him Things that no man would have ever known. So when Jesus Christ came into the world, he revealed some things about God that would never have been known. When God says he so loved the world, how do you know he loves the world? Because he sent his son to die to pay for the sins of the whole world. That's love. 
And God says that you can have mercy, the mercy of God. No man would have ever known the mercy of God. Because, see, mercy is not getting what I deserve. What do I deserve? I deserve to be separated from God in a literal fire burning hell for all eternity. But not getting that is mercy. That's why we say something like, have mercy on me. I don't want that. The grace of God is God giving me something that I don't deserve. You see, I don't deserve heaven. But to be able to be a child of God to go to heaven, I now know what it is to experience the grace of God. I know what it's like to be forgiven because I've been forgiven. You see, the Lord means something to me. You see, you would never have known Jesus Christ as the Savior if you didn't need to be saved. So much you and I would never have known about God if God had never allowed sin into the world. So God has used the devil and the sinful nature of man to do something for us and to teach us things about God that nobody would have ever known. God is good. And now notice what he says here in verse 23. He says, Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified, you slain him. You did it. Now, this is Peter's first message. Isn't it wonderful that he is so tiptoeing through the tithers? But he's talking about hitting them right between the eyes. I mean, he didn't back off at all. And these were the, the leaders, ye men of Israel. And then he says here in verse 24, whom God hath raised up. Now, being raised up is mentioned about four times. Because, you see, he was taken up. From this world in chapter 1, where it makes a statement that um, he was taken up in verse 11. He shall so come again in like manner. It says, the same Jesus which is taken up from you. He was taken up. He was taken up from the dead and taken up into heaven. And there are several other places that talks about him being taken up. But notice what he says here in verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death... Because death could not hold him. It had no more control over him. He had made the death payment. Now he could come back again from the dead. Hell, death, the grave could not hold him. And he says here, for it was not possible that he should be holding by it. Now he's going to get into the subject of the confirmation. The confirmation means that he is going to confirm what happened. And uses the Old Testament prophecies as the proof. Because here's these Jews from all over, because of Passover day, they come together into Jerusalem. And we don't know how many was in this audience. But all of a sudden, God has taken 120. And here's Peter preaching. And lo and behold, now he's as bold as a lion. It wasn't long before this, he was scared for his life. And they were hiding in an upper room with the doors locked. Remember? Now all of a sudden... They have no fear whatsoever. What happened? They saw Jesus come back from the dead. And no, if he can come back from the dead, okay, you kill me, I come back from the dead. I don't care. They were not afraid of death. You see, if you were no longer afraid of death, you'd be surprised what you could do. We're afraid. We don't want to die. We're afraid somebody's going to take our life. But here in the book of Acts, in verse 25, he says, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. 
Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Now, what I want you to do is hold your place right here because we'll come back here. But I want you to take your Bible and turn there to the 16th Psalm. The 16th Psalm is what he is quoting. And so here in the 16th Psalm, when you read it, you may not have said that this doesn't have anything to do with the Messiah. You might say, well, this is just talking about David. Well, this is what a lot of those people that went to the synagogue all the time, and this is what they read, and this is what they believed, because they don't see Christ in the Scriptures. But you'll notice what he makes a statement down here in verse 9. Verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And so whenever you read that, you just, well, this is talking about David, because this is a psalm of David. So there's no problem. Well, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter and began to speak through Peter, uh, the message becomes very, very clear. The Holy Spirit that writes the Scriptures had um, a clear understanding of those prophecies. And goes back there and says, for example, look at what David said. So let's take a look at what David said back to the book of Acts and chapter 2. And look there now in verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Well, he, David wasn't the holy one. And thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Well, this here hell is Hades. And um, this is the place that's uh, for the departed dead, saved or lost. And so there was a place there called paradise and a place called torment. And so they went to the place of paradise in the heart of the earth. Now, proving all that, there's another sermon. I haven't got time to do that right now. But I want you to see where he says, Thy holy ones shall not see corruption. See there in verse 28, Thou hath made known to me, the ways of life, eternal life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, as he talks to them, he says, Let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. Patriarch because he was the kingly line, David was. That he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Now you read Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 16 and it'll talk to you about those people about 450 years ago. We're talking about, before this, we're talking about David's sepulchre. Because when they came back to rebuild the walls and so on. And then also you'll notice here, it makes a statement in verse 30. Therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ, the Messiah, to sit on his throne. So in the Old Testament, they knew, and he's talking to these Jewish people. He says, you knew that through David, through the line of David, through his flesh, God was going to raise up a seed that would sit on his throne and he would rule forever. God told you about that. And the prophets told you that the Messiah is going to suffer and be killed, and come back again from the dead. He says, all the prophets gave witness unto this fact. So he says in verse 31, He, David, 
seeing this when before spake of the resurrection of Christ. Now, do you think David said all of that but didn't have a clue what he was saying? It says that he's seen this. He saw this. He understood this. Spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. Saying, this did not refer to David. This referred to that one that's coming through his loins. So that David, in the 16th Psalm, prophesied that the Messiah was going to come and to live and to die. And this is the one that God hath, by signs and miracles and wonders, put his stamp of approval upon this man whom you have killed. Whom you crucified. Him hath God raised up from the dead. Boy, is Peter preaching a sermon. And I don't think he's too worried about how they feel about it. Now, I believe that when he went from in the one statement in verse 22, Ye men of Israel. By the time you get over there in verse 29, he says, Men and brethren. It's like there's a, maybe a little different tone. He hits them upside the head. And then he's softened the blow. He hits it hard, and then now he wants to win them. Because you've got to get people to wake up and realize what's going on, and now he begins to appeal to them. But look what he says. He makes a statement here in verse 32. This same Jesus hath God raised up. There it is again. Whereof we are all witnesses. You see, throughout the book of Acts, it was always part of the message of the gospel, and they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ, who you saw crucified, is back from the dead. Without the resurrection of Christ, there is no message for us. There is no hope for us. Everything we have and everything we believe all hinges upon, did he or did he not come back from the dead? Do you believe that? You can't believe he's coming back if you don't believe he ever left. So he says in verse 32, he says, we're all witnesses. Therefore, he said to verse 33, therefore, being by the right hand of God. Now he's telling them where he went. He was where he was and where he is now. He says, been exalted and having received of the father, the promise of the Holy Ghost. He had shed forth this, which you now see and hear. What you see and what you're hearing is not these men are not drunk. This is what was said by Joel in chapter 2. Joel the prophet. About God's going to pour out his spirit. And people are going to see and understand and teach forth his word. And here's these people doing just that. And so they were totally amazed. And he's explaining to them what's happened. The one that you rejected. The one you crucified. This same Jesus, God has raised him up. Shed forth what you see. He's already seated him in the heavenlies at the right hand of the Father. Because it talks about, uh, my Lord said unto my Lord. See, David could say, my Lord, that came from his loins, said unto my Lord. But anyway, look what he says here in verse 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens. Because he's, his grave's right here. He says, his sepulchre's still here. So he couldn't be talking about David. And when he says that, I will not leave my soul in hell, he says, he's still there. And he will not let my body see corruption. He says, his body did see corruption. He'd been buried for a thousand years. He says, this cannot refer to David. It has to refer to the Messiah. And if it refers to the Messiah, 
then the Messiah has to die and come back from the dead. Whew, what a powerful sermon this must have been. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? And get this. Everything Peter said is not recorded here. Because it talks about, and many other things he said unto them. Uh, see there in verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. So there's a lot of things he said that's not even in the scripture. Man, I, I'm always curious. I, what did he say? I'd love to have gotten the whole story. But I can't even handle what is revealed, let alone what hasn't been revealed. We wouldn't even have known that Enoch was a great preacher and what he knew and understood if we didn't read the book of Jude. Where it says, even talking about Enoch, he was a preacher. He talked about the Lord coming back, Christ, the Messiah, with ten thousands of his saints. Well, that's still in the future yet. Maybe not too far. But he saw that before the flood and preached that. See, there's a lot of things that the men of God knew and understood. It's not all revealed in the scriptures. But we're supposed to believe that they did know and they did understand these things and that the prophets did preach. And I believe that they had to be saved the same way you and I are saved. And that they preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Messiah. I don't have all the answers. I can't prove everything. I'm just telling you what I believe anyway. But look what he says now. Go back there to verse 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. David said that. The Lord in heaven also said to my Lord that came through his loin, You're going to sit on the throne for all eternity. Therefore, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, all the house of Israel, all 12 tribes, and you ought to underline these two words, know assuredly, God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord, he's God, and Christ, the Messiah. Now, when they heard this, there was conviction upon them. So we talked about the confrontation, and we talked about the confirmation of the Old Testament scriptures. Now there is great conviction that came upon them. And it says in verse 37, now when they heard this. So it's not only a matter that they heard it, they understood. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? So now he gives them an answer. Now, there's a lot of ways in which you can look at some of these scriptures. I'm giving you the way that I believe it is. I can tell you what down. There's a group that believes this, and there's another group that believes this way. Another group believes this way. But I ain't got time to tell you what everybody else believes. Because if I told you what everybody else believed, you might believe it. So I'd rather tell you what I believe. Why? Because I want you to believe the way I believe it. Don't that make sense? So in verse 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? So he says, in verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So then the question gets into, what does repent mean? Got to define your terms. Well, remember, it goes back to what they thought. They thought that Jesus Christ was just a man. 
they did not believe he was who he really claimed to be. Even though he had done these miracles and signs, they didn't believe. So they didn't believe. Now they've heard the message and Peter preaching the truth and Old Testament confirmation. Now what do we do? So repent is change your mind. Think differently. Reconsider. You rejected him. Reconsider. Think differently. And see that God hath made this same Jesus whom you crucified. This is who he is. Will you believe this? Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.